0: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Marty Plum and I am the host of a pen and a napkin podcast, the weekly coaching clinic that you can carry around with you in your pocket. I am really, really excited for this week's uh, interview segment, uh, interview number 21, episode number 21 of our interview series uh with Steve Lutz, uh the men's assistant coach, one of the one of the assistant coaches at Purdue University. And uh we're just gonna jump right into it with Coach Lutz here. He's got a bunch of you know got some family time here today and I'm I'm really grateful for the time that he's giving me and to the pod here today and, and to help out help out our coaches that are listening. Steve, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing great coach. How are
0: you? Uh you know I'm I'm hanging in there, hanging in there. You know it's uh it's uh, 55 degrees and, and sunny and the snow's melting, so we're gonna take the dog for a walk here in a little bit. So it's gonna be really good. So uh, looking forward to that part of the day. But uh, like I said, Coach, I, I know your time's limited, so I want to get in as much as we can um, and uh, just go through some stuff here. Um, you know, you've been this is third year at Purdue, and yes. and then you were at Creighton for seven years, I believe. And that's where we got to know each other. And then before that, where were you?
1: Uh, before that, I was at SMU. Uh-huh. And before that, I was at uh, Stephen F. Austin. Both uh-huh. of those are down in Texas. Before that, I was at Garden City Community College, which is a junior college in Kansas. Uh-huh. And then before that, I was at the University of Incarnate Word, which again is in Texas.
0: Yeah, a long and winding road. It's been to yeah. West Lafayette. So, yeah, Absolutely. Um, well, Steve, one of the things that you know you're known for a lot of things, and and it, it's just a matter of time before you get your your shot at at, at being a head coach at the Division One level. I mean, you do a terrific job with everything that you do, um, but in, in that in that process, and that's something I wanted to ask you about here in a little bit. Uh, but you know, you've you've really been known for your recruiting plow uh, two things: recruiting prowess and development of players, and. You know, when it comes to recruiting, um, as you're looking at a kid there for Purdue, and before that, all your other stops at Creighton and Stephen F. Austin, uh, you're looking at the kid. Uh, but you're also looking at the, the qualities. You want to bring in a certain kid with a certain character type, but you probably also are looking for certain qualities out of the program that the kid is playing for. So as you're watching the kid play and you're watching him interact with his head coach, you know, how do you, how do you look at, or what do you look at for, for the, the coach and, and what he's trying to do with that kid and how he coaches that kid to, t- to see if that's a kid you guys can coach at Purdue. Does that question make sense?
1: Sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I would, I'd probably say first and foremost, you're looking to see um, how the kid reacts to that coaching. Mm -hmm. Uh, Most of us that um, have had quality players over the years have coached those guys and been able to coach those guys a little bit harder. Uh Um, And you always want to see how that kid takes coaching, how he accepts it and what he does with it. You know, I mean, some of the kids obviously nowadays will, or, you know, in, Forever, Well, they'll take your coaching, but as soon as you turn your back, they're telling those guys something else. Uh And, uh, you know, it's a huge component to be coachable. So if the young man is not coachable and he's not taking, uh, you know, what the high school coach says and then trying to implement it, you know, he's probably going to be a bad fit at any school that I've ever worked at. But, you know, just in terms of what I look for from a high school coach, You know, I don't tell them what to run. They figure out and know what's best for their program. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm just trying to figure out if if the young man can uh, learn and then implement the basic concepts that that program runs. So if you run, you know, the flex offense, well, does he understand how to set up a flex cut? Um, Does he understand how to come off of the flex cut looking for a layup? Then maybe if he doesn't get it, get a post up. You know, and all of those things just kind of run together. But, you know, from the high school coach's perspective, um, I'm just looking to see if they can pick up the basic concepts, if they'll implement them, and then most importantly, probably, are they playing hard and they giving effort? Because if they're not going to do those things for uh, their high school, then they're certainly not going to do them for me.
0: Yeah, well, especially at the level that is required to play at your level, which is uh beyond a whole nother level of what they're used to playing at, you know, on a night in night out basis. So, um, Matt Painter, you've been working for him for, you know, obviously, like we said, three years. Um, and you know, what are some of the, the, the strengths of, of coach Painter? What are some of the things that, that by working for him, Mm -hmm. you've kind of Mm -hmm. absorbed into your own coaching style? Um, you know, what are his strengths, um, you know, along those things that, you're, you know, that, that attracted you to him, to working for him, you know, so forth and so on.
1: Yeah, well, first and foremost, I would say that everybody I've worked for <clears throat> is a very good basketball coach and, and has strengths. Yep. Um, and you try to take a little bit from each and every one of them. I mean, obviously, Greg McDermott is offensively as good as anybody in the country. And, uh, you know, I tried to grasp as much knowledge as I could from him while I was at Creighton. And that's not to say he's not a bad defensive coach, but offensively, they've just been off the charts. Well, you know, I come to Purdue and and, uh, he basically hires me to be in charge of the defense. And we do it a little bit like football where we have an offensive coordinator and a defensive coordinator and I run the defense, the other guy does all the offense, and then the other person on our staff, he does, like, personnel and that kind of stuff. So long story short, you know, I mean, I took that as being, wow, if I've taken all of this information and this knowledge from Creighton and Greg McDermott and that staff, and now I can come to Coach Painter and
0: um, go with his defensive system and maybe
1: tweak some things maybe that, that I believe in and, and – um, you know, grow the defense. Then I feel I felt like I would be very well rounded. Uh-huh. Um, but probably the biggest thing that I, I've taken from Matt Painter's—he's an unbelievable communicator—and he might be one of the most intelligent people that I know. Like he can recite the nineteen sixty-seven MVP of the Big Ten or who, <laughs> who won the league. I mean, he's unbelievable in that regard. And people like that a lot of times can't speak down to their audience. Uh And it's exactly the opposite with him. He simplifies everything in a manner that our players understand it fully. So if we're trapping the post or doubling the post, um, all five guys on the floor at the same time are going to know what their responsibility is. Because sometimes, you know, if like, for instance, with us if the foreman, the forward, if he feeds the post, if he's the post feeder, we're not going to go double off of the passer. Mm -hmm. We'll never double off the passer. So we usually go with our next biggest guy. Well, when you're going through the scouting report and when you're going through, um, How you're going to guard things, you know, throughout the course of the week, you know, sometimes coaches won't break it down and say, Hey, Billy and Bobby, when you know, Frank feeds the post, he can't double. Therefore, if one of you two is in the game, you're going, Mm -hmm. and then if neither of you are in the game, our next biggest guy is Sam, or on and on down the line, sure. And I guess my point being is that. In my opinion, that's probably one of the most undervalued things that I have seen because we'll come up with these great game plans, <laughs> you know, both offensively and defensively, and then the kids don't know what the hell's going on. Yeah.
0: Right? You've yeah. told them so much information and
1: you want them doing so many things, but they don't know what they're doing.
0: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And, and, and then,
1: he is the best at that.
0: Yeah. Just they, they kind of get. Uh, uh, analy- uh, paralysis by analysis, and of and course. start o- overthinking it. But he's able to break that down and and just keep it simple.
1: Yeah, yeah, and, and you know, with that being said, um, like any good program, we have our rules, and yeah. you know, you're not going to you're going to follow those rules. You know, we guard ball screens a certain way. Um, it, we, we trap the post a certain way, you know, stuff like that. <clears throat> and that doesn't change. Now, we may tweak it game to game a little bit,
0: mm-hmm. but it's
1: not going to change. If if somebody if we prepared you all week um, for an opponent and then they come out and run a totally different offense, his philosophy and, and mine as well is that your defensive rules that you have taught all year long should still work. They should yeah. cover 90% of what you're going to see. I mean mm-hmm. it's basketball it's not rocket science.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And like I say I mean you know for him to just make sure that everyone's on the same page every single time um it's 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 fun to watch and it's it's really really good. Um I think that you know <laughs> especially as maybe an early head coach we want to do so much and and that's gonna bite us in the butt in the long run you're better off simplifying it making sure everybody knows what the heck is going on and then as long as they'll give their best effort you're gonna have a chance
0: yep absolutely um what you've been fortunate enough to work with multiple uh future pros um you know you know most most recently Carson Edwards uh who I think was he he was a second round tri- pick by the Celtics right
1: yeah he yeah. went in the second
0: round went in the yes. second round yeah but but he's with the with the team and everything and you know of course here you know Marcus Foster and Justin Patton and 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 Doug and and you know the list goes on and on uh in in your observations what what separates those guys from everybody else cuz other than maybe Justin Patton none of them are tremendously gifted athletically physically you know that type of thing you know what what was within those guys to get them to that level that they played at
1: well i, I would say you know and, and you brought up Justin Patton you brought up Carson you brought up Kyrie Thomas i mean all of those guys have a, a unbelievable Will to win and and be successful. Now, with that being said, not all of them worked as hard as as some worked harder than others, is the the best way to say it. Sure. Um, But still, all of them worked hard. Uh Um, I would tell you that, you know, I don't know the number of pros that I've coached, but let's just say it's ten. Nine out of those 10 worked harder than anyone else on that team. And, you know, obviously Carson's the latest one, but. Carson would come into the gym every single night at 11 o'clock. That was kind of his deal. It didn't matter if it was Monday night, Sunday night, Friday night. He was going to be in that gym probably at 11 o'clock. Uh-huh. And he wasn't going to typically bring players with him, um, which we always talked to him about trying to do, but he was going to go in there and he had a plan and a routine on what he was going to work on. Uh-huh. And even though we had practice, You know, three hours earlier that day, he's still coming back that night, Mm -hmm. and obviously, it all starts with a little—you know—a level of talent. You've got to have a certain level of talent, athleticism, to become a professional player and and to become a college player, you know, as well. So you—you know—you've got to have a a level athleticism for high school, another one for college, and then if you want to make it to the pros, you've got to have an absolute next level. Yeah, but. Those guys um, would work on their game and fix their weaknesses and work on their weaknesses. Yet at the same time, they were still always trying to um, get better at their strengths, and it never stops. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's what a lot of people don't understand is just how much time and effort they put into it. Now, with that being said, like like let's take Doug for example. Doug would come into the gym and he might only come in for 30 minutes, but he might be 30, 45 minutes. But you know what? His 30 to 45 minutes were precise. He worked really hard. He did what he needed to do. He accomplished what he wanted to accomplish. And then he got the heck out of there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Whereas Carson may go in there for an hour or two every night. And so each guy is different. There's yep. no right or wrong yep. to what they're doing. But the bottom line is you're not going to get better if you're not going to spend the extra time in the gym. There's only one way to get better and that's just to spend the time. It's no different with being a coach. You want to be a better coach, watch more game film, watch more games, go to other practices, learn different things, go to clinics. Mm-hmm. Listen,
0: to good, listen to good, listen to good podcasts, like a pen and a napkin. Yeah. absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I, I definitely agree with you there. Um, I, I want to keep rolling through stuff here. Um, how do you guys uh you're bringing in kids from from all over the country and and a lot of the you know i guess more so these days kids know each other a little bit before they come together at the college level sometimes uh but you know what's your indoctrination into purdue basketball how do you guys bring in uh kids and say okay this is the way we do things at purdue university or when you are at creighton or Stephen f austin or whatever it may be what are some different ways uh you know like when a kid you know for most of our listeners here when a kid leaves their junior high programs and they come into their high school programs what are some things that you recommend you know being really important to establish right away
1: well uh you know if i was a parent and i was trying to help my my kid um you know become a good uh, high school player and transitioning from junior high to, to high school, um, I would do a good job of trying to make sure I took my kid to a couple high school games. You know, I would, I would go to freshman games. I'd go to JV games. I'd go to varsity games so that my, my son or daughter understood, hey, this is what I'm about to get into. This is what it's going to take. And just so they can understand the different level of intensity and physicality and, you know, I mean, overall just strength because that's typically the biggest, uh, thing that holds kids back is, you know, they may be really good shooters or ball handlers or per- be fundamental, s- fundamentally sound. Um, but every time you kind of go up the ladder, I mean, there's just another, uh, animal or beast waiting for you in terms of physicality, in terms of athleticism yep. and, and quickness. So, you know, you can help your kid, uh, by num- number one, you know, getting them, in the gym, making sure that they're working, but at the same time, you know, you can also help prepare them just with the visualization of what's to come, so I'd start there if I was a parent, um, and then obviously, once I figured out, um, you know, maybe what the high school program uh you know, how they run their program, you know, if, if they really like to shoot a lot of threes, I'd probably spend a little more time with my kid or having my kids spend more time <laughs> shooting because that's what, you know, they're going to, they're going to need when they get to the next level. Uh-huh. Um, so I, I don't know that there's a right or wrong way to do it. Um, but the more exposure to the game of basketball, you can give a young person the
0: better uh-huh. in my opinion. Do you guys, you know, what's your, uh, What's your way of, or you know, and, uh, I can't figure out how to say the question, so I'm not even going to say it. So let's move on to this. Uh, well, what, let,
1: let me finish. I got okay. to circle back. Let okay. Me circle back because you did ask about Purdue and creating yeah. different places in the culture. Um, I, I was thinking I got sidetracked a little bit more of you know, okay just from the parent and the kid perspective, trying to get them ready. Um, it's well explained to you in terms of what you will be stepping into if if you're going to come to any of those programs. So Mm -hmm. um, in the recruiting process, um, unfortunately there is, you know, some little bit, a little bit of cowering or, or catering to a kid, telling them how good they are, but the good programs will also tell them, Hey, listen, if you're going to come to Purdue, you have to understand you've got to be ready to work Yeah, because we're going to practice, you know, anywhere from an hour and a half to 3 hours a day you're going to have weights you're going to have study hall you're going to be expected to go to class and then you're going to be expected to get back into the gym and work on your game whether it be with you know some of the graduate assistant coaches or the full staff full time staff above and beyond what we do in practice, because what we do in practice is not going to be enough for you to be a successful player. And if you're not a successful player, obviously we're not going to be a successful program. We have, you know, we've had great success both at Creighton and at, at Purdue with maybe taking guys that were not ranked as five stars or, you know, a little bit outside the top 100 and finding those guys that have the work ethic and had the uh, drive to become better, and then they eventually surpass those that were maybe ranked higher than them, just because it's hard work and you're putting in the time. Um, you, know, they're, they're, you know, I said it earlier, there's no substitute, obviously, for hard work and putting time in the gym. But, you know, it's all told to you up front, because, you know, most, most people that uh, are recruiting you they're wanting you to come in and, and have a significant um, impact upon the program. Otherwise, they wouldn't be recruiting you. But ultimately, when you get there, it doesn't matter. you still got to go beat out somebody for yeah, a spot. Absolutely. You've still, maybe even two or three.
0: Yeah.
1: And the next year, we're going to tell the same kid the same thing. Hey, if you're a freshman and there's a senior that has started for two years and you come in and beat him out, we are playing the best players. Because our job is to... Uh, win games obviously but to put the best product on the floor for Purdue we're here for Purdue we're not here for Marty Plum and Steve Lutz it doesn't yeah. matter you know if yep. uh you know the next person comes in and he and he's better and he's going to be more effective and help us win he's going to play in front of the two of us mm-hmm. that's just the bottom line
0: yeah yeah and yeah, that's uh, you you hit the nail on the head there that Every year it must be re-earned. there is no entitlement to it you've you've got to go you've got to pay the rent every day you know and and sometimes young people you know they get to a certain level and they think well I've got this now i've I've gotten here well no, it's just beginning now you have to hold it because now you have something that somebody else wants and I think sometimes young people uh have a hard time you know grasping that concept, don't you think, Steve? I absolutely do and and I'll give you a good example and,
1: and obviously um, you know we've had our ups and downs this year you know my first year we go to the Sweet 16 last year we go to the Elite 8 and are a breath away from going to the Final Four and we have guys on this year's team who have served as backups for the previous year or the previous two years and guys graduate and you know it's kind of your time to assume the role
0: mm-hmm.
1: and that's more just through the matriculation of grades and graduation that doesn't mean that you're um automatically going to be the starter you know yeah. we've got a, had a couple guys that thought okay it's it's my turn I'm going to start I'm going to be the starting point I'm going to be the starting two whatever it may be well you know what a new guy came in and they beat him out mm-hmm. because at the end of the day again we're here to put the best product on the floor to help her be win yeah. and uh it doesn't matter if you put two years in, or three years in, or one year in, and you you've been a bankrupt That doesn't mean anything. Yeah, we're, we're going to play the guys that help us win. So, I think that's a tremendous lesson <clears throat> for all young people. Just because whether you go into um, you know sales, or whether you go into coaching, or whether you go into whatever you do after graduation from high school and uh, or college you're going to have to compete every single day and you know what if somebody comes in with a better product a better sales pitch a better customer service than you well they're going to get the business and you're not and, and then obviously that steam rolls into affecting your family and all sorts of things so yep. i you know high school sports and college sports is, is a great way to teach you um you know to prepare you and teach you for life in
0: my opinion absolutely absolutely no i think that's that's awesome. I, I love the way that you put that. So I got two more things I want to cover with you here, Steve. Um, player development. Um, like I said, you know, two things you really you're really known for is is recruiting, and then helping develop players. And, and you talked about how you know it's it's up to the kids to to put in work and that type of thing, but at the same time they're putting in work because they got somebody that will work with them and knows what they're doing. And your players have always gotten better. Um, What are some things that you really emphasize when you're helping develop players um and maybe if if you can explain a a really good drill or two, I know the medium's not the best for explaining visual stuff, but you know just just talk about what are the keys to player development in your eyes, and and maybe like I said, a drill or two that you could be able to explain real quick that you really like that you use consistently.
1: Um, you know, I would say the biggest thing with player development is is <clears throat> first and foremost just. Uh, being able to be uh, transparent with your coaches, with yourself, and understanding your strengths and weaknesses. Um, what what we the way we explain a lot of our player development here is during the season, we're going to utilize your strengths as much as possible, and we are going to put you in positions, especially offensively, where you're going to be able to be successful. So if you're a really good shooter, we're going to probably run you off of single down screens, double down screens, you know, triples, whatever we have to do to get you space, to get you open, to be able to knock down shots. Well, typically guys that are good shooters are not good ball handlers, or they're not good pick and roll uh, Mm -hmm. situations, stuff like that. So we say that we're always going to, we're going to play to your strengths again, because that's going to help us be successful. And that's our objective. But the off season is to work on your weaknesses. So we're going to put your weaknesses on the shelf for a little bit. And then when the season's over, we're going to work on it all spring and all summer. And we're going to keep working on it every spring and every summer until they get better. Now, with that being said, not everybody, you know, can overcome that and get to the level that you need them to be. um, So that they can, they can carry it over and it translates into being successful on the floor. Mm -hmm. So, we just keep working at it and you know, it just doesn't go away. Mm -hmm. Your strengths are going to continue to hopefully get better and your weaknesses are going to continue to hopefully lessen. But until they do, you just got to keep working at it and, and, and you never, you know, you never get away from it. Now, as you get better at certain things, and you have less weaknesses well then maybe you can you can take it to the next level and try and add some new moves or add some different things um in terms of your game you know if you're a really good spot up shooter okay well now let's see if we can we can get you into a one or two dribble pull up Mm -hmm. you know that kind of thing and you're just always trying to expand on your game because you know the, the athleticism and the speed and the strength and the size in our game just keeps getting more and more every year. So you've got to continue to just add pieces on top of pieces until you've got such a good arsenal that, you know, that you're going to be a good player. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, maybe, uh, you know, guards in terms of guards drills, uh, I know everybody is into cones and the little hurdles that you dribble through. I'm still kind of old school. I just use chairs, chairs or cones, um, you know, the taller ones. And, uh, you know, maybe if you put, uh, one cone at the very top of the key and start in a diamond shape, you're going to use four cones. So one at the top of the key, you're going to use another one at the, uh, you know, maybe three steps back towards half court, one on each side, right and left, and then another one in the middle, which then you get a diamond and it's kind of in between the top of the key and half court. You know, the fundamentals don't go away. I mean, then you go work on, you know, you start in that top of the diamond, you dribble to your left, maybe you go between the legs. Okay, well, now I go, I'm, I'm right at the top of the key, getting that middle cone. Okay, well, now I maybe go back you know, between the legs from right to left, and now I go into layups, or maybe I go into jump shots, or maybe I come off of that last one. And I, as you get older, you know, you get a little bit of a step back, mm-hmm. um, and then I'm going to do the same thing going to the right. So I'm going to attack the right cone, then I'm going to attack the top of the key cone, and I'm just going to continue to change directions and uh, just do the normal stuff. You know, maybe a crossover, maybe a between the legs behind the back. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not real big on the spin dribble, so I don't ever teach that one. Yep. And then me neither. Just your, are in and out in and out and then in and out into a crossover. And if, if you can do those things at game speed, um, you know that should translate into the game. Yeah. You know that should translate wholeheartedly into the game, and then you can take that diamond and you can move it over onto the right wing and do the same exact thing. You can take that diamond, move it over on the left wing, and do the same same exact thing. Now you're attacking the basket at all different angles. But <clears throat> you know I'm a big believer in making sure that you number one start with what should be the easiest shot in basketball is that that's the layup, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. You've got to learn to make layups. You've got to learn, to, you don't need to learn to make layups off your right foot, shooting with your left hand and all that kind of stuff, but you do need to learn to make layups. And yeah. as you get bigger and stronger and more professional, okay, then you can, you know, you can get into some different ways to do it and be creative, but you can't get away from the basics and the fundamentals to begin. Um,
0: I used I used to it, just go up and dunk it when I was playing. <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah. It was I a nerf was hoop, but let's not get into it. details, so...
1: I've I've always thought that about you as a (laughs) pre-mathlete.
0: I'm going to let you keep thinking that, Steve. So,
1: (laughs) but you know, I mean, and then you work in the mid range jump shots, even though I don't, I'm not a huge fan of the mid range jump shot because it's a low percentage play. Um, uh, and then you work into threes, you know, and again, if you want to move your, your diamond back, just move it back further towards half court and then, you know, dribble into some of those threes and that kind of stuff. But, um, the fundamentals don't go away. I mean, you, you know, crossovers between the legs, behind the back, in and out, all of those things that are gonna, They're going to be around for, you know, until basketballs as long as basketballs around.
0: Yep. Last thing here. Um, I, I know, uh, uh one of your goals is at some point to to be a a, a division 1 head coach and 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 you prepare for that just just like any organized smart person would um and and you have no idea um what situation you'll be you'll be taking over at some point um but as you prepare yourself to be a head coach and this is kind of a question for folks that have not been a head coach before uh but are looking to, to, to become a head coach, what are uh kind of in general the two, three, four things that that is kind of on your list of priorities that, okay, these are the these are the things I'm gonna come into this job or pretty much any job. And again, there's gonna be variables depending on what happened with the previous coaching and the administration or whatever it may be, but you know, what are what's kind of in the back of your mind of here's what I'm looking for at uh, or here's what I want to look at. Here's here's the things I want. Here's the things I want to establish right away in a Steve Lutz program.
1: Uh, you're asking like in terms of what I want my program to be built on, or you're asking yeah. me as I'm evaluating this program, should I take it?
0: Uh, maybe both. Okay. 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 Yeah. Um, I'm gonna squeeze two questions out of one. So there we go. Okay. <laughs>
1: well, let's start. Yeah, we'll start with the evaluation of the program. Um, oh, that's a tough one, because uh, here's what I would tell you. It, it's maybe a little bit different in terms of high school and college, um, but from the college perspective, I, I always look at um, the people, the people that are there. I mean, do I, can I work with the athletic director? Does the athletic director have similar values and a similar vision? Um for the program that I do. Like, for example, and uh, we'll just, we'll just make, you know, if College A is, is wanting me to come there and they're offering me a job, but the athletic director is telling me, hey, um, you know, I want you to be in the Final Four in the next six years, and that program's never won their conference title
0: ever. Mm-hmm. The, the vision doesn't align with the Success.
1: Yep. Now you have to bet on yourself at some point. Yep. Um, but you know your best indicator of things to come is
0: history. Yep. Previous you know, behavior. Yep. <laughs> something. If they haven't
1: been winning, all of those coaches could not have been poor coaches. Um, So something's got to be missing and they've either got to change it or enhance it or, you know, something's got to change. It just can't be you. You can't go to the final four if the school is not fully funded in terms of scholarship and not fully funded in terms of a budget, those sorts of things. So I really look at that first and foremost. And then secondly, I always look at uh, success, past success. Um, you know, if you're going to go to a school that has never won their league title, man, it's going to be hard to win the league title, probably. Yeah. But you know, still, that doesn't mean that you can't. That doesn't mean that maybe the conference hasn't changed, or the landscape hasn't changed, or you know, maybe you're uh, you're just really tied into a recruiting area, and that that school's in that area, so you feel like you can overcome a lot of things. So there's a lot of a lot of different you know, factors that go into that. And then, uh, you know, probably the third thing is just your your location. You know, does that location, am I going to be able to fit in here? Um, and then am I going to be able to tap into the, the resources around me to help me get the players that I
0: need? Mm-hmm. And
1: yep. you know if those things kind of check check and they're going to pay you a reasonable salary and your family is going to be happy, then you know you got to bet on yourself and you got to take the job.
0: Yep. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but in terms of when I do get a job and, and what I want, um, you know, my program to be known for and, and the foundation of it, um, I would say first and foremost, you know, I want people to look at my program and say, you know what, he's got a good group of guys. Um, they're not angels, they're 18 to 22 year old kids, they're going to make mistakes but for the most part I would let these guys come over to the house on the weekend and house sit for me mm-hmm. and they're, they're going to make mistakes but they're good people they try to do things the right way and part of them being good people and doing things the right way is because say the fan base is able to identify with them and you know, most people identify with college athletes that play really hard that don't act like jerks on the floor that try to do things the right way and give it their all every single night because at the end of the day i think that's what anybody that's all we can ask of anybody is to give your very best and you know 90 percent of the time your best is going to be good enough but you know what there's going to be some nights where you give it your absolute best and and you still don't win yep so you know i want people to always look out under that floor and be like you know what Steve Lutz's team is going to fight you every single night. They're going to give you their very best effort. Um, they're going to do it the right way. They're not, you know, they're going to share the ball. They're going to play hard. They're not going to beat themselves. And then when the game's over, they're going to shake the other team's hand and win or lose. They're going to hold their head high and they're going to walk off the floor and, you know, get back to it the next day. Um, so, uh, you know, hopefully all of that if you can worry about that and you can get that uh taken care of and, and get your guys to do that, I think that that's going to translate into a lot of success for your program.
0: Absolutely. Well, Steve, I know like I said it's it's you're right smack dab in the middle of the Big 10 season. I appreciate every minute that you gave me this afternoon. Uh I know you got some family stuff going on here. Uh do you have do you have any social media or anything that that you want folks to follow at all or
1: um you know uh, my my personal twitter and i'm not a huge um person in terms of social media and posting my, my twitter and my instagram is uh, lutz steve and then uh, obviously purdue our twitter and, and our our um social media department here is phenomenal so i would i would absolutely give the uh boiler ball it's at Boiler ball, B-O-I-L-E-R B-A-L-L. I I would give that a follow because again, uh, Chris Foreman and our staff—they're—they're unbelievable at that. They'll have all kinds of videos about our team, about meetings, you know, about
0: you know huddles, whatever. That they're—they're good. Awesome, awesome. Well, I I, like I said, I can't thank you enough for your time. Uh, I hope things continue to go well for you and your family. Uh, out there in West Lafayette, tell your wonderful wife hello for me. Uh, tell your wonderful daughters hello for me. Give Caroline a big high five for me. Um, and uh, just wish you nothing but the best. And and uh, you know, just keep things rolling out there. So uh, well, sounds good,
1: Marty. I appreciate you having me. And uh, obviously, Omaha was a special place to us for seven years. We've got a lot of good friends, such as yourself, that are still there. So hopefully, we'll get back down there here sooner than later it's just uh it's only so many hours in the day
0: exactly and you need to take some of those hours and spend it with your kids so uh you know for for our listeners here uh follow us on twitter a pin and a napkin at gmail or i'm sorry just a pin and a napkin uh coach if you'd want to give us a follow there that'd be awesome um Obviously, if you're listening, you're on SoundCloud or iTunes, so like, subscribe, let folks know about it. Uh, if you got any questions or comments, email us at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. Again, I want to thank Steve Lutz from Purdue University for being on here today. Uh, coaches, as always, be sure to hone your craft one day at a time.